Just a reminder, this Saturday night, Sunday morning, we have our normal church services. I'm going to be doing the message, uh, God, the angels announcing to shepherds in the field that the Christ has been born. Anyway, I'm excited about the message. And then Pastor Ed will do Sunday night, which is Christmas Eve. We'll have a special one-hour family service with the children's choir and all sorts of fun stuff. But uh, come on out. And then next Wednesday, we go dark between Christmas and New Year, so no service next Wednesday. We're going to finish Daniel tonight. And so in the New Year, when we come back, we're going to go into the book of Hosea. If you're new here on, to the Packing House, we study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the whole Bible. We start in Genesis and go all the way to the end and then start over. So if you're here for eight years or so, 10 years, you'll go through the whole Bible, every verse. So we've been in Daniel now for a few months, but we come to Daniel chapter 12 and it says in verse one, it says, at that time, okay, I've got a massive, uh, thank you, thank you. Oh, it's much better. I don't know how it sounds out there, but it's still, it's still echoey up here, but I'm distracting myself, terribly distracting myself. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, at that time, referring, as we saw last week, to the time of the rule of the one who's coming, known as the Antichrist, okay, the one who will persecute the Jewish people. How relevant is this today? He will persecute the Jewish people more than they've ever been persecuted. The Antichrist who is possessed, literally possessed by a demonic spirit of anti-Semitism. Mark Twain called anti-Semitism the swollen envy of pygmy minds. But it's far more than that if you have spiritual insight. It's more than envy. It's a satanic attack on your well-being, on your well-being and mine. Because this rabid passion to annihilate Jewish people who make up one-fifth of one percent of the world's population. <laughs> Mark Twain said, they should never have even been heard of. It's such a tiny little speck a little dust in the nebulous of the universe, Mark Twain said. You should never even have heard of them, but you have heard of them. They're all, we always hear of them. <laughs> but this rabid passion to annihilate these people, it's satanic because God has chosen, whether we like it or not, he's chosen that through them he brings his salvation to you and me. Now, if you got a problem with that, you got, you got problems, you know, and I've told this illustration a million times, but if we're all, if the whole world is in this room right here and we can't get out and we're all dying of a terminal disease, God breaks through the ceiling and hands, I always use Mike Morley, he hands Allie, he hands Allie a vial full of the cure. He chooses Allie and he says, Ali, in you, through you, everyone in this room is going to be healed. For me to want to kill Ali? Like how ego, how much ego, how stupid do I have to be? No, I will bless you, Ali. I bless you, Ali. You know? And God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. But we're going to, we're going to, at that time here, and he's referring, as we remember from the context from last week, this time when this Antichrist will come and persecute the Jewish people like they've never been persecuted. At that time, it says Michael, Michael is an archangel along with Gabriel. There's rankings among angelic beings. I don't fully understand these things. But Michael and Gabriel are clearly archangels. They're generals, if you would, in God's angelic army. But at that time, 
when this antichrist is on the scene. There's many antichrists, John said, that have already gone into the world. There's a spirit of antichrist that has been there from the beginning. But there's coming one, a man, who will be the antichrist. At that time, Michael will stand up, the great prince, Michael, who stands watch over the sons of your people. God's here speaking to Daniel. His people are the Jewish people. Michael, this mighty warring archangel whose specific assignment is to watch over the sons of your people. His whole assignment is to fight for Israel's preservation, which is fighting for your well-being and mine because through them comes Christ, not only in his first coming, but in his second coming. This is why this is all so relevant today. At that time, when the wrath of the devil threatens the very existence again of the Jewish people, Michael will stand up and fight in the spiritual realm where the battle rages for the preservation of these people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. This time of trouble here, it refers to the coming time of persecution, a persecution of Israel. Speaks of this time that's coming of a world calamity that's called, another name for it is the Great Tribulation. This period is also called in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob was Israel's name before God changed his name. Okay? It will be a time, notice, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time which is to say a lot, and it's sobering, and it's deeply disturbing. A time worse than these people have ever known? Worse than the time when Israel was in Egypt and Pharaoh made a decree to kill all, that the, the, the midwives should kill all the baby boy, the Jewish boys that, when they were upon their birth? out of which comes the whole story of Moses, by the way, remember? His mom was hiding him from this edict to, 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 to annihilate the baby boys and put him in a little basket of reeds on the Nile River, and the Pharaoh's daughter was bathing down there, and she pulled him out of the water. His name means to draw out of. Moses means to draw out. He was drawn out of the river. So there's a time coming for Israel that will be worse than they've ever known. Worse than the horrors of when the Assyrians invaded the northern kingdom and dragged them off into Assyrian slavery. Worse than the horrors experienced under the persecution of Antiochus Epiphanes, 160 BC, that we've looked at recently, out of which came a revolt led by Judas Maccabees, in, the, in that revolt where they overthrew Antiochus Epiphanes and reinstated their sacrifice came the whole celebration of Hanukkah that just finished last week. A time is coming for the Jewish people that's worse than they've ever known. That's what Daniel's being shown here. Worse than the devastation of 70 AD when Titus of Rome marched in and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, killed a million Jews and the rest of them scattered, not all of them, but most of them scattered to the four corners of the earth. A time is coming that is worse than they've ever known. Worse than the persecution they experienced by people claiming the name of Jesus during what we call the dark ages. A time is coming that is worse than the pogroms of the early 1900s where half the Jewish population was driven out of Europe and you know where they came? They came to the United States. And you know what happened in the United States? Our economy boomed. We shot to the highest places of biomedical research. And that's, you know, Europe kicked them out and gave them to us. 
in our hospitals, in our universities, were filled with these brilliant minds. The time is coming that is worse than the time of Hitler and the Holocaust. Israel's history is a history of trouble. Being chosen means blessed beyond measure. Listen, and they are. These people are in so many obvious ways. But it also means that they're a target of hell, the target of hell. So much so that I've met Jews today that they don't want to be chosen. (laughs) They just want to live under the radar, the radar of hate. Did you guys see Fiddler on the Roof, that movie? I love that movie. You know, the main character, Tevia. If I were a rich man, you know, this poor dairy farmer, right? Dear God, he says in this famous line, I know, I know that we're your chosen people, but once in a while, can't you choose someone else? You know? Anti-Semitism is a spiritual attack on your well-being and mine, for it is through these people that God has chosen to bring to the world, to the world, his light and salvation to me and you. I'm good with it. I'm good that God has handed Ali the vial that's gonna bring my cure. Don't mess with Ali. Leave Ali alone. Stand back, let her distribute what God has given her to distribute. Knowing that they would be a target. Knowing they would be a target when God called the very first of this race named Abram. He called him, by the way, he, lit, he was from northern Iraq. The Ur of the Chaldeans. Isn't that interesting? And he said, come to this land I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you offspring. I'm gonna make you a great nation. I'm gonna bless you. And in you, Abraham, all families of the earth will be blessed. He was one guy with his wife and God told him that 4,000 years ago. And here we are talking about him today, Abraham. And he said, knowing he would be at the target of hell because of what God was gonna do through him for us, God said, I'll bless those who bless you and I'm gonna curse him who curses you. For anyone filled with, the, with rage and hate, the rage and hate of anti-Semitism, I would warn you, be cautious. You know the passage in Matthew 25 when Jesus said, it says, it says when the Son of Man comes in all of his glory, he's gonna gather all the nations together for a judgment and he's gonna separate the sheep from the goats. You know that whole thing? To the sheep, he, said, he, he will say to them, come, you blessed of my Father. Come, you blessed of my Father. Come into eternal blessing. And the whole basis of this coming judgment, the whole basis is how they treated, Jesus said, the least of these my brothers. Who are the brothers of Jesus? the Jewish people. Listen, I believe it also means Gentiles that have been grafted into the people of God through faith in Israel's Messiah. It includes Christians. There's coming a judgment when God is gonna go after those who've sought to destroy the people that God has chosen to bring blessing to the world through. To the goats, he's gonna say, over here, you cursed. It goes right back to Genesis 12 to the promise to Abraham. I will bless those, come you blessed of my father, and I will curse those who curse you. Get away from me, you cursed. I believe that's what he's talking about there in Matthew 25. Jesus knew about this irrational hatred that we call anti-Semitism. It's irrational. Every culture that has driven these people out or exterminated them or tried to exterminate them have lost because of it. 
I believe that's what Matthew 25 is speaking about. That's my one, I'm one man and that's my opinion, so take it for what it is. But this is a sobering passage here in Daniel 12, revealing a coming time that's worse than what Israel's experienced. I can't comprehend that. I don't rejoice in this. It's very disturbing. But I know that one day it's gonna all make sense. Jesus quoted this passage in Matthew 24, 21. He said, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. Jesus is talking about, quoting from this passage in Daniel, saying this time is, to, is coming. And with the sober sadness, the Bible teaches that before a time is coming that will be better than it's ever been and everlasting, before the kingdom of God is ushered in and eternity begins, there will first be a time that will be worse than it's ever been. One last outburst, satanic outburst against the people that God has chosen to bring his salvation to me and you. Read Revelation 12, starting in verse 13 sometime. Chuck Smith said the Jews have always been a target of Satan. He sought to destroy them because he knows that God has ordained to accomplish his purposes through this nation. And thus Satan has attempted in times past to destroy the nation of Israel in order to thwart the purposes of God. Let me say this, that the greater the trials and troubles, the the greater the purposes for which God is preparing a person or a people, The greater the troubles and trials, the longer the season of testing and trouble and affliction in your life, the greater the purpose it is that God is preparing you for and preparing the Jews for. The Jewish people along with Gentile believers in their Messiah, okay, you're saying, well, I'm not Jewish, I'm a Christian. Well, guess what you are? You're a believer in Israel's Messiah, (laughs) That's what you are, and you've been grafted into the chosen people of God. And the New Testament calls you and me chosen in him. The Jews are just chosen. But as a Gentile believer in Israel's Messiah, the New Testament's title over us is that we're chosen in him. And it's repeated over and over in the New Testament. We are chosen in him. Chosen in the beloved, we're God's, we're elected. Now we're co-heirs. We're partakers of the covenants in the commonwealth of Israel. It's all ours now. We're sons and daughters of Abraham by faith, it says in Galatians. What a trip. We're in a refinery. We're all in this refinery. We're being prepared for things beyond what we can imagine, the Bible tells us. The Jewish people, along with Gentile believers and their Messiah, will have a high place of purpose in God's eternal kingdom. How do I know this? I read the very end of the story, the book of Revelation, chapter 21. The new Jerusalem is coming down from God, out of, from God, out of heaven to the new earth, okay? This is a picture of where it's all headed. And guess what? The names of the 12 tribes of Israel are etched into the 12 gates of the new Jerusalem. But you know what also is etched into the foundations of this new Jerusalem, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, which represent the church, which represent you and me, Gentile believers in their Messiah, we that have been grafted into this whole thing. But before this new heavens and new earth, before the glorious purpose commences for which all the troubles of this life and the coming troubles of this life are preparing us for. Before all that, there's a lot of trouble ahead. I could lie to you and tell you, no, come to Christ. 
and all your troubles will be gone. You know, sign up. I'd be lying to you. This is a momentary time of testing. It's a refinery that we're in. And you know what? When your expectation is set by God's word, you'll be blessed, even in the trials. It's when I expect something to be this and it's that is when I get depressed and disappointed and disgruntled and disillusioned. So God says out straight, this is a time of trouble. This is a valley of tears. And you'll be going like, okay, let's get on with it. It's a battle. You know? You'll find yourself going, I got it pretty good in this time. There's so many moments of just joy and peace and abundance and rest. Wow. It's good to know what this is. And you won't be disappointed all the time. Do you know what your marriage is? It's not heaven. But almost every one of us, when we get married, we think, this is heaven. Oh, I'm gonna, there's so much romance and all the time on cloud nine and then it's not that and you look at and you're angry at the person. You let me down and you don't, maybe don't say it but you think it. You're living in an illusion. Where did you get that expectation? Not from the Bible. Marriage is two sinners strapped together and committed for life. They're e- you're either going to get on your knees and pray and ask God to help you and be changed into the image of Jesus, or you're going to commit homicide. <laughs> you know? Are there blessings in marriage? Oh, especially when you know what to expect. Two selfish people. You know that your spouse is just as selfish as you are? You expected them to be something else. They're just as selfish as you. What do you, what do you think they were? We're all the same. All of us are the same. We're all sinful, fallen people that need to be saved. We're all people that we need to be filled with the Spirit or else there's nothing good that comes out of us. Just selfishness and ego. You married one of those. So the secret to marriage is you both seek God. You bring down from heaven what the Lord is supplying and you give it to each other. You don't look to your spouse and go, give me what God only can give me. What do you you think they're God? That's called idolatry. Okay? Anyway, I got sidetracked here from my notes. Let's get back here to where we're at. Everyone, notice... Where are we here? So before this new heavens and new earth, this glorious time where the purpose for which, we, the, for, for which we're being prepared now, there gonna, there's gonna be trouble ahead. Expect it. Get on with it. Okay, let's do it. But God says, and at that time, your people, Daniel, the Jewish people again, they will be delivered everyone who is found written in the book. So no matter how great the attack against these people that God has chosen, God promises to preserve them and fulfill through them his purposes for the world. This is what he's saying here. Genesis 17, 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Everyone who is found written in the book. During this terrible time that Daniel 12, that Daniel is seeing here in Daniel 12, there will be a mass turning to the Lord among the Jewish people. Okay, this is, we're gonna look at Zechariah chapter 12. We're gonna get to Zechariah coming up. We're entering into all the minor prophets. But look at Zechariah 12, nine. It will be in that day. This is speaking of this terrible time. At the end of this terrible season. We'll see, it's, only, it's, it's, a, it's a certain season that God says, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. 
And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. This is God speaking. Listen, Yahweh speaking. And he says, and at this time, they will look upon me, God speaking, and they'll mourn for him. You know, a lot of people are like, what do you guys worship? Three gods? This trinity? God, the Father, the Son, and the... There's one God, and it's my, he's mysteriously manifest in three persons, but he's one God. Jesus affirmed this. There's not three gods, this, this absurd idea that the Jehovah Witnesses, that the Muslims, they're like, oh, you guys worship three gods. No, we don't. We never claim that. But God reveals himself as one God somehow expressed in three persons. Here is Old Testament, Zechariah 12, 9. In that day, when it's all hell is breaking loose, worse than it ever has, and all the nations of the world are surrounding Jerusalem, which sounds like what's happening right now, <laughs> and I don't know if this is it, I'm not, I'm not into sensationalizing and going, this is it, you know, buy my books, send your money in, Greg Opine Ministries. This might not be it, you know? But man, it's this like, this is getting crazy right now. This is what it's gonna look like if it's still yet future. But God's gonna pour his spirit out after this time of tribulation on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they're gonna look at me, God says, and mourn for him. Notice, whom they've pierced. They're gonna look at me and mourn for him whom they've pierced. Who did the Jewish people pierce? Their own Messiah, Jesus the Jew. And they're gonna mourn for him. They're gonna, there's gonna be a mass turning to Jesus in Israel in this time. And many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Okay, this is the end. This is the curtain closing here, guys, on human history as we know it. Some will awake to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Notice there. Those who are wise will shine, shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. We can't see it because we have too much light pollution here, but if you go out to places in Arizona and look up, you can see the whole Milky Way galaxy that we're a little blip inside of. One of 50, 10 times 50 billion trillion stars in the observable universe. Those that are wise, Daniel says, will shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those that turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. How beautiful is that? Wisdom. Notice what it says, those who are wise. Wisdom is that in this temporary life, we invest in what is everlasting. Okay, this is wisdom. This is big, big picture wisdom. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass. And we also see in the scripture that the souls of men and women, of people, will never pass away. So who is wise? It's the person who invests in the things of God's word and the souls of human beings. Am I wise? Am I investing in the futures market? Maybe you invest in the stock market. Right? If you do, you've been elated in the last month. Stock market's been just soaring. Today it went down a little bit, but you've been. Are you investing in the futures market? Am I wise? The ultimate investment is in people, the souls of people, bringing the word of God to people. Listen. It says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. Those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You know what? It's so simple. Because you might think, Greg, pastor, 
I'm such a mess. I can't impact anybody's life. You know what? We're all a mess. There's no one, there's no other kind of person. You know how messed up you are? That's how messed up all of us are. We're all broken in some way. Everybody has some type of a struggle with some type of addiction. You know, we hear about the addiction to opiates or to heroin or whatever, but what about the addiction to food or to credit, using your credit card or gambling? 20% of Californians are addicted to gambling. What about shopping? Because you go and you, you, your, your closet's so full you can't fit anything else in. You're not wearing half the stuff, but you've got to go and spend more money. It's a dopamine thing. We're addicted to dopamine. We're all addicted to something. How can I possibly be one of these that shines, that turns people to righteousness? What in the world? Here's how simple it is. Look to the Lord. Listen, as messed up as you are, look to Christ. Listen, look and, and let his love in. Because when you look to him, you're gonna see the love like you've never seen. God, the crucified God saying, I love you to death. I've taken away all your sin. Come here, you're mine forever. That's what you see when you look at him. And guess what happens? When we look to him, we're, we, we radiate. I'm not the sun. And this is why a lot of Christians feel like, I can't do anything for God because I need to be like so powerful like the sun. None of us are the sun. We're all like the moon. We're like these dead rocks. But you know what? The moon reflects the light of the sun. In the full moon, you can walk around like it's daytime and see around. I'm a dead piece of lunar rock, but when I'm facing the sun of God, I radiate, I reflect him. I reflect his glory. Look at what it says in Psalm 34, four. I sought, David said, David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. He was like us, broken full of fears. And he says, they look to him, and when we look to him, we radiate. Where's that verse? Psalm 34, 4. No Psalm 34, 4? Well, that's what it says, what I just said. <laughs> they look to him, and they were radiant. We radiate when we look to him, because we're the moon, and he's the sun. It, all the energy, all the power, all the love, it's in him. It's not in me. But when I, just, when I just face him, I reflect him. And guess what? He gets all the glory. But I get to reflect him. As we look to him, enjoy his love, we reflect his glory. And Peter said to those that are doing this, be ready at all times to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that they see in your eyes. That's our part. I'm messed up, I'm broken, I struggle with all sorts of stuff. But when I look to him, I radiate, I reflect him, and people come and go, why do you look at me like that, Greg? You look at me like there's hope for me. Because when I look to Jesus, I realize there's hope for you. Because God so loved the world, that includes you, Manny. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why do I look at you like that? Because I've been looking at Jesus and now I've glanced over at you and there's hope for you, Jim. There's hope for you. And so Peter says, this is the Christian. Be ready at all times to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for this hope that's in your eyes for them. This hope is in us when we're looking at Christ. If I'm walking around all day just ruminating with how, what a crud ball I am and how, how stupid I was and how, fall, how, how, how I'm not enough and, and, oh, God, I'm so sorry that I'm so... And I look at people, there's not, there's not gonna be the radiance. There's not gonna be that hope. There's just gonna be this dude struggling with his own depression. Look to him. But we wait. We're all waiting until we come to this place where we got our act together. Don't wait anymore. Your act together is when you, with your act not together, simply turn and look to him. Look at him. And then you're overwhelmed by his love for you. 
and you realize he's taken away all that sin that you've been beating yourself on the head over, clubbing yourself. He's like, put the club down, man. I broke the club at the cross forever. Stop it. Rest in me, look at me, reflect me, look at people through my eyes. I'll use you. You, you, Who is wise? This is how we turn many to righteousness. We don't turn anybody. God draws them as we reflect his glory. Verse four, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Everything I've showed you, Daniel, shut it up Seal it until the time of the end. These words, this great tribulation, this time of trouble that's coming is for a long ways off, in other words. And in that time, many will be running to and fro and knowledge will increase. Isn't that interesting? Many take that verse right there. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge will increase. Many take this as a prediction being fulfilled in the travel and the explosion of knowledge in our day. That's interesting. I've thought that many times, that it could mean that. Others say that this speaks of how many in the future, at the time of the end when these prophecies are being fulfilled, many people will begin searching out the meaning of this sealed book that was sealed in the day of Daniel. And as a consequence, the knowledge of this book will be increased. People will be like, look at what God said way back in the day of Daniel that's all happening right now. I don't know which is the right interpretation, but those are both interesting to me. And then I, Daniel, looked, notice, verse five, and there stood two others, one on this riverbank and the other on that. So he's seeing two more angelic beings in his vision here, on this river, and one said to the other, who was above the waters, apparently one of the angels was walking on the water, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? When is all this going to take place? Daniel overhears these angels going, when is all this going to (laughs) happen? And then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held out his right hand and his left hand to heaven, like some of you were doing during worship tonight. He said, I looked over and one of these angels had his hands lifted to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half a time. Okay, this is the way they expressed back in this day in the Hebrew language, a year, two years, and a half a year. Three and a half years. Remember the angels asking one on one side, how long will this time of tribulation, this time of great trouble, this final persecution of the people of Israel, how long will it last? And he hears it will be three and a half years. Three and a half years is the period that's all over the Bible. This three and a half years. Okay, Daniel 7.25 describes it as the, a period that the saints will be given over to the Antichrist's hands. Three and a half years. Daniel 9.27 speaks of this three and a half years. A period between the breaking of the Antichrist covenant with Israel, the creation of the abomination of desolation, and the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. It will be three and a half years that will transpire. It's Daniel 12.7 here. It's describes the duration of this time. How long will this be? One of the angels asked the other. In Daniel 11, it described it as a period that the holy city will be tread underfoot by the Gentiles, by the nations around Israel. Three and a half years is this period that's coming of great tribulation. Daniel 11.3 described it as a period of ministry of the two witnesses that will be ministering during the great tribulation. Revelation 12, verse 6. Revelation 12, verse 14, describe this three and a half year period that the Jews are going to, some of the Jews will flee into the wilderness for a three and a half year period to be sheltered and preserved. And many believe that's to the city of Petra in Jordan, which is 
into the wilderness. We went to Petra, one of the wonders of the world. This unbelievable fortress, natural fortress, where you can go through these little crevices in the hills. And Indiana Jones was shot there in Petra. One of the scenes. Stuff's all real. Revelation 13.5 describes this three and a half years period that the angel said it will be. How long will this time of trouble be? Three and a half years. A time, times and a half a time. As the time, Revelation 13.5, the time of the duration of the Antichrist authority to rule and persecute and blaspheme. When you take all of these passages and you put them together, these ones I just ran through, when you take them all into account, we're dealing with what we saw in chapter nine, which is the last half of the final seven-year period. It's half of this period known as the tribulation, this seven-year period that's still to come. Okay? A time that we know very little about this second half. Actually, we don't know much about the first half of the seven years. But when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, everything will be finished. Okay, this is the last outburst. And and I say it with sadness, with zero rejoicing. It kind of makes me sick. You know, I don't wish this kind of stuff on anybody, especially the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. But when the power of the holy people, speaking of Israel, the Jews, has been completely shattered, all these things will be finished. The people of Israel will seem utterly crushed as these things end, but at that time, the Messiah, as we saw in the passage in Zechariah, he's gonna pour out the spirit of grace and supplication upon the house of David, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They're gonna look upon me, God speaking, whom they pierced, and they're gonna mourn for him (laughs) as one mourns for his only son. This is, this is what's coming. And although I heard, Daniel says, okay, he's at this riverbank in his vision, and there's angel on one side and on the other, how long, and he hears this. Daniel says, although I heard this, I didn't understand. That's comforting to me. Because <laughs> a lot of this prophecy stuff, you look at it and you go, this is what it seems to be saying, but I can't fully grasp it. I don't, I don't you know, some of these guys that are so sure about how it's all going to play out, and they got books and detailed charts and stuff. I'm like going, dude, you don't know. Be humble. You know? We're to know these things because when it all comes down, when it starts to unfold, you'll be going, oh, that's what it was saying. You don't have to know all the details. You know, when the Lord comes for you, he's not going to give you a prophecy quiz. Ah, you got it wrong. You're post-tribulation, you're going to hell. It's not going to be like that. We're not saved by passing a theology quiz. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. It's not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. It's not of works or getting a good grade on your prophecy quiz, lest anybody should boast, okay? Daniel says, I, I heard all this, but I didn't understand I'm like, that makes, that's how I feel, Daniel. (laughs) My Lord, he says, what shall the end be of these things? What shall the end of the, why, what is is all of this for, Daniel's saying here? Why does there have to be all this trouble? I have the same question. I could lie to you and act like I don't, but, I ask God all the time, why the pain in my back? Why the suffering, the way my dad passed away? Why the tragedies of people I know? Why is there so much trouble in this life? This is what Daniel's saying here, this last, this question. What shall be the end of, where is all this, where is all this leading to? Why all this trouble? 
you know? Why does there have to be all this trouble and pain? And he said, the the answer to Daniel is, go your way, Daniel. (laughs) For the words are closed up and they're sealed until the time of the end. In other words, you're not gonna fully understand all the troubles and sufferings that you go through or your people go through in this life until the end. Then it will be crystal clear. For now, trust me. Go your way. Don't sit here and mull on this forever and ever. Go your way. Get busy about what I've called you to do. Don't try to figure it all out. You know, certain things in life that we go through or that come at us, we never asked for them. And we don't understand why. And we won't understand why until the time of the end, until it's all wrapped up. Until then, while I still can't see how many things don't make sense for me, and I'm sharing you something personal here, for me, when I consider, this is the key for me to getting beyond this question that everybody has. When I consider the one who set this world into motion, and I consider that the Bible reveals to me that he knew before he set the universe into motion, he knew that he would suffer the most. Because the scripture tells us in the book of Revelation 13, 8, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. Before God created this universe, this temporary universe, it's always been temporary. The next one will not be. But when, right before he set it into motion, he knew there would be pain, there would be suffering. But what we know because of this verse in Revelation is that God knew that he, was, he would suffer the most. And because he, because he knew that he would suffer the most, because of his nail-pierced hands when I look at Christ, I'm like, I trust you. I got my pain, I got my suffering. I don't know why, I don't know what it's all leading to, but because of your, because you're the one that took the biggest hit, I trust you. I trust you because you are love, you are love beyond my comprehension. I trust you. I'll go my way, I'll get about my business, and we'll figure these things out later. We'll see later. I trust him because of his nail-pierced hands. Notice God doesn't give Daniel a full understanding as to why all the sufferings and trouble lay ahead for his people, the Jewish people, but God does give Daniel this insight into what suffering does. Verse 10. Many will be purified, made white and refined. Remember what this life is, according to the Bible? It's a refinery. It's a time of purification. Now if you refine gold, like in, they refine it in fire. They melt it down to bring out the impurities. You ever have a meltdown? You're like going, why, what, this is, what, this is, I'm not even really a good Christian. I'm, I had a meltdown. You know what, God puts you into the fire to melt you down. Don't think it's strange, Peter said, concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as if something strange. Don't keep asking that question. Why is this strange, this ab- abnormal thing? Why is it my life abnormal because of the pain and suffering? God says it's not abnormal. That's what this life is. And it's like a blip on the radar. It's like a vapor that vanishes, Jesus said. It's like, it's so temporary. In eternity, God's preparing you for eternity, forever and ever and ever, bliss and joy. No more pain or suffering or sickness or death or any of that. Many will be purified, Daniel. He's like, why? What's this all leading to? Many are being purified and refined. We're being prepared for things that, blow, that are going to blow our minds. But the wicked will do wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but the wise shall understand. The wise are the ones that are in the word of God and looking to the Lord. Okay? In the midst of this wicked world, 
where people are screwing each other over and there's so much corruption and lying and misrepresentation and slander and all of it, God's refining his people. He's refining us. And in the end, he'll sort everything out, make everything new, and it will make sense in that day. There won't be questions. People are like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, when I get there, I'm going to give God the, I'm going to, no, when you get there, you're going to see and go, oh, 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 Lord. Oh, my gosh, you're so good. Oh, my God, I couldn't see it. And God's going to go, I told you. But the wise, they'll be trusting, submitting, yielding to the hands of the refiner, trusting God. I trust you, Lord. I I see you suffered the most and you knew you would. I trust you, Lord. Captain, oh my captain, I'm, I'm right behind you, you know? It's like some soldier telling another, I would follow you into any battle. Why? Because I trust you, because you have shown your love toward your, your, your men. You know? We're going to look at Jesus. When we look at Jesus, we're like, I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you go. I'll follow you, Lord. And from that time, the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, during this time, at this middle of this seven-year period, when the Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel, stands in the holy place of the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, declares himself to be God, takes away the sacrifice and says, I'm, it's about me. When the abominable nation of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days, okay? And this is how many days until Jesus returns. Daniel said that from the time of the abomination of desolation, you can, when, when that happens, you literally could start counting the days. Okay? Now, we don't know when that abomination of desolation, when the Antichrist is going to stand in the middle of that three and a half year period, but if you're there and you're watching it happen, you can know the exact amount of days until all this suffering is over. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Notice there's a 45-day discrepancy here, and I don't know what is going to happen in that one-and-a-half-month period. But for believers that have endured the horrors and the catastrophic plagues that are described in the book of Revelation concerning this period of Jacob's trouble, this time of great tribulation... The precise knowledge of the exact day of their deliverance would be a great assurance if you're in the middle of this. That's why God gives this number because those that are in it will know, I just gotta hold on for so many more days. Don't you wish you knew right now how many more days you'd be in the dilemma you're in right now? Everybody's got something, like some problem, you know, that's that's keeping you up at night. And, and the, the thing of how, how long will my child be estranged from me and struggle with that drug? If you knew, if God just spoke to you and said, two and a half more months, you'd be like, oh, cool, two and a half more months. You'd be encouraged, but you don't know, is it two and a half more months or is it two and a half more years or is it, oh my God. That's why God's giving the, the exact days for those in the middle of this. They'll be, it's to encourage them. They'll know exactly And it makes it a lot easier. But he says to Daniel, you go your way till the end, for you will rest, Daniel. And you will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. Okay? Go your way, Daniel. Your mind is racing right now, wanting to know why and how long and all these things, you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're distracted. He's an 85-year-old man. God says, I want you to focus on what I have for you. I'm not trying to figure this all out. Okay? Go your way till the end. God had a course for Daniel to complete. Daniel needed to remain focused on that and not trying to figure out all this stuff that would happen in the far future to his people. I'm going to close with a quote from a, Bible scholar, one of the greatest Old Testament scholars ever, named Gleason Archer. 
Gleason Archer in his commentary on Daniel says here, and we'll close with this, concerning verse 13, but you go your way till the end, for you shall rest, Daniel, and you will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Gleason Archer says the final, this final verse contains an encouraging word for this old man, Daniel. Go your way to the end, for you shall rest. In other words, your body is going to rest in the grave, Daniel. And then you will arise on the resurrection day to receive your allotted inheritance. Gleason Archer says, Revelation 24 states, I saw the thrones. John saw the thrones on which were seated those who have been given authority to judge. And then it goes on to say that those who have died as martyrs will at that time come to life and reign with Christ a thousand years. Surely Daniel, Gleason Archer says, will be outstanding among the galaxy of judges and kings. And it's also true that those of us, Gleason Archer as a Gentile believer in Israel's Messiah, he says, surely it will also be true that those of us who are sincere and obedient believers will have a part in this glory and will see Daniel. For believers who have endured the horrors of the catastrophic plagues and massacres of the end time, the precise knowledge, wait, excuse me, where am I here? Let me back up. It's also true that those of us who are sincere and obedient believers will have a part in this glory and we will see Daniel on his throne. And far eclipsing such honors as these will be the supernatural glory of the Son of Man himself, Jesus Christ, the Son of God incarnate who will assume supreme control over the entire earth. His dominion will stretch from sea to sea, from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth, as it says in Zechariah 9.10, and under his rule the earth will be filled with righteousness as the waters cover the seas, as it says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9. Done with the book of Daniel. Wow. Relevant stuff. Big picture stuff. How relevant is this today? Can you imagine me teaching this? And there was no nation of Israel? Like there wasn't? For almost 2,000 years? Or if it was, there was no action going on over there? but right now there is. There's nuclear submarines in the Red Sea. There's aircraft carriers. There's missiles all aimed towards them. There's a massacre that just took place. Yet again, this stuff is so real. I don't understand all the details, but you can feel something's brewing. But we're not to be distracted from what God has in front of us. He's got stuff in front of us. His call is just turned toward him. You're messed up. You're gonna be struggling until you're out of here in your new body. Don't wait till you got your act together. Turn, to, turn towards the Lord. He'll melt your heart. He'll reassure your heart and you'll reflect his glory and you'll be used to turn many to righteousness and you, you, you will shine forever like the stars in the, in the universe. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. We pray for the people of Israel. We pray for Jewish people that are afraid right now to go to college. They're afraid to have their symbols on their businesses. We pray, God, for those that are filled with hate. Any hate toward anybody. Lord, we pray that you'd root all hate out of our hearts. But we pray for those that are plagued with this type of hatred, that you would open their eyes as you are doing to many. Keep us in your love. Lord, your love is for all people. Not just, it's to Israel and through Israel for the world, for the Syrians and the Palestinians and Egyptians and for the Jordanians, Father. Your love, 
for the Europeans and the Asians and the Africans and the Americans and the Canadians and the Mexicans. Thank you that you love us all. Lord, use us to reflect your glory, your life, your hope into this world. We ask it in Jesus' name and everybody who agreed said out loud together, amen. Blessings be upon you. We'll see you next time, not next Wednesday, the week after that. We'll see you this weekend, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, all sorts of fun stuff going on here. Say hi to someone on your way out. God bless you. We'll see you then.